I've been hearing that constantly over the past week while we've been doing the show and editing, and I'm still not tired of it at all. I love that. I am Steve Hester. With me, as always, is... That would be me, Andrew Roger Carson, as you know. Yes, and we're welcoming you to episode two of Poddywood. We actually did it. We got one out. Yes, we're at Poddywood Part Deux. Yes. Um, we had a great episode last time with uh, with uh, Becca Marks. Uh, I was talking through her early part of her career, but you can find that now on uh, Spotify, everywhere else that you get in this one. And if you're at all interested, we also have the, the Patreon version, which uh, which is extended, and you can find all the details about that on patreon.com forward slash poddywood. Uh, right, but this week, uh, before we actually kick off, uh, just going to do a very brief thing. I just saw it on the news before uh, before we started. Um, Adrian Edmondson, and this does link with film because he was in The Last Jedi. Poor sod. Uh, but it's just re- <laughs> but he was also in Bottom during the the nineties with Rick Mail. And uh, it's time to a- for- it's time to forget Steve. I'm let never the Last forget. Jedi go. I'm never going to let that go. It destroyed me. Uh, but he's just had to be rescued for, by the fire brigade after cleaning his window went wrong. That's an interesting and very, uh, you know, very high point to start our show off with, Steve. That's great. I thought, yeah, I thought we could have at least mentioned on the fact that I can at least gloat to everybody that I had my first vaccine on Sunday. Well done. Uh, and there's a reason why... Now I know we don't do a show on a Monday because uh, I was feeling absolutely fine. And then suddenly, as soon as somebody asked me if, you know, how how did it go? How are you feeling? And I was like, oh, you know, I'm absolutely fine. 20 minutes later, I felt like death. It's not fun, is it? It was not fun at all. But hey, I'm, I'm halfway there. It's better than the alternative. It is very better than the alternative. But... As you saw last week, uh, we did uh, our first round of what we've now called What's in the Box? What's in the Box? People are going to know what this is for a long time after today's episode. Yeah, I think <laughs> I guarantee so. You. Uh, in which I would pluck uh, a movie that is certified fresh for our kind of movie-phobe Steve, who has not seen a lot of good movies, I guess you'd call it. Well, no, I've not seen many movies which don't feature car chases and explosions, let's be honest. Exactly. So, and you watched uh, the first movie, I understand, last night. I did. And that was the 2002 Alexander Payne movie about Schmidt. And I will say for people who are going to criticise, yes, I did say last week he won the Academy Award. He didn't. He won a Golden Globe for that performance. He was nominated for an Academy Award. Mm -hmm. And that was a screw up on my part. But anyway, that doesn't matter. Steve, give us your yes. feedback. What do you think? Okay, well, first of all, a quick synopsis uh, about Schmidt is about a guy called Warren Schmidt who retires after spending a lifetime in insurance. Uh, his wife passes away very early on in the film. And the film is basically about him trying to come to terms with where he is in his life up until that stage. It's It was a lot slower than I thought it was going to be. And I'm just going to go into it because, yeah. 2002, so we're way past spoilers at this point. I was also expecting there to be just a real big blowout moment of catharsis. 
because you look at exactly what's going on. The the insurance company that he's given his entire life to has moved on. He's not very happy in his marriage. His daughter has moved away. Uh, he later finds out that his closest friend has been sleeping with his wife many, many years ago. He's, basically, I was expecting a moment where Jack Nicholson was going to go full on Jack and properly do the swivel-eyed lunatic meltdown. But it never came. No, that's, that's a staple of kind of Alexander Payne's movies, if you've ever... Unfortunate to see any others, and I'm sure you'll probably have some more dug out in what's in the box over the course of our entire show. Uh, but it is very downplayed. The movies are quite slow. It's like movies like Sideways, mm. um, Election, Nebraska especially, which is amazing. Uh, you know, it, it is all about those those kind of journeys. A lot of them are kind of midlife as well, you know, and that yeah. thrown into the whole mix of when life changes or... You know, not living up to potential. Yeah, and to be, right up until the very end, because ultimately at the end he goes to his daughter's wedding and she's marrying a guy that he really doesn't approve of. It's someone that owns a, a waterbed store and is trying to get in on pyramid schemes and everything. And right at the beginning, people giving speech at his retirement party and everything's very, very shallow and superficial and he knows it's kind of shallow and superficial but just like everybody else, he's grinning and getting along with it and then he has to give the speech at the end and I was expecting there to be a big kind of moment where he just flips but no, everything everything about the whole film is very subdued including like even the colour in the first half of it, it's very grey very dark mm -hmm. and, and then gets kind of lighter as it goes on there's even moments when I thought I was looking at a Christopher Guest film, the way that things were kind of shot, you know. Um, but the big thing that sticks out some, in my mind is a big up to Kathy Bates for going <laughs> to getting into coming. the nip. <laughs> oh, that was brave. It's not the first time she's done it either. She did it as well in a movie called At Play in the Fields of the Lord back in the early 90s, shortly after um, her fame in Misery. Ah. But, yeah, it was one of those... Uh, uh, would you call it an eye-opening moment or an eye-closing moment? I don't know. Well, I will uh, say she was looking very, very good for a woman of her age. Very uh, good. Yeah, she, She's fearless. So, does it deserve its fresh rating or not? I think it did. It's For me, I think it's one of those films that now I've seen it, I enjoyed it while I was watching it. Uh, I watched it with my girlfriend as well last night. She enjoyed it as well. We were talking about it a lot afterwards. I feel better having seen it. Would I watch it again? Probably not. Well... I, yeah. I'm of that mindset where you should only watch a film once, and if you come back to watch a film again, then obviously it's a really good film. Mm. So I tend to only watch movies once in a lifetime, unless they're really, really good. Yeah. But no, glad you enjoyed it. But our guest for this week is our music man himself, Neil Pretty. Um, what, what a creative guy this is. The more I get to know him over these last couple of years, I just discover more and more about him. So... He is uh, the owner of a graphic design company called Print Design. Uh, he is a composer, musician, uh, I believe, and he's probably going to correct me here, but he plays, I believe, lead guitar for Black Sabbath tribute band Sabra Kadabra. He's also the artist behind a New Journey Project, of which we'll hear a track of later on. And also our theme tune. And our theme tune. <laughs> which is much more important. Oh, yeah. He's also an author of a whole number of books, including one I believe that he has recently nominated for an award. He's a producer also, which I'm sure we'll get into shortly. I could tell you all of these things, 
But why bother when he's here? Hello, Neil. How are you doing? All right, pals. How are you doing? How are you doing, guys? Uh, thank you for joining us, Neil. Thanks uh, for having me. Andy's just listed all your list of accomplishments, which we'll get onto in a minute. Uh, but what did you think of about Schmidt? Because you watched it over the weekend as well, didn't you? I did indeed, because I was an avid listener to your first uh, podcast, um, which was great. Well done, guys. Uh, well done for getting it off the ground. So I thought, yeah, I'd, I'd tag along. I thought, I'm going to watch I actually thought I'd seen it. Uh, I was surprised. I must have got confused with all the other numerous Jack Nicholson movies I've seen. But uh, pretty similar kind of feelings, I think, to yourself, Steve. It was, I thought, this is a bit slow to start with, but, you know, we'll stick with it. And... Same thing. I'm waiting for the, you know, the the uh, the Jack Nicholson stereotypical um, bug-eyed scene where he just rants at everybody and everything. But uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was, um, I thought it was actually very well paced. I thought it was very measured and um, a lower key performance from Nicholson. But I think it was right for the role because I think the character wasn't that kind of uh, explosive kind of character, and it would have felt out of place. Yeah. That's very true. Very true. Uh, but yes, in, in talking about um, how I kind of first have met Neil, I think it was about three years ago. Was it about three years ago? Yeah, it probably feels longer. Yeah, it probably it definitely feels much longer <laughs> for the people that we know. <laughs> I think we've known each other for too long. Indeed. But uh, when I initially met you, obviously, uh, I knew you as uh, the director of Print Design. Yeah. Uh, which you can find at Print Design on all of social media. If you need your graphic design work done, that that's the cheapest plug I think I've ever given for you, Neil. That's I'll pay, unbelievable. I'll pay, the, I'll pay that fiver later. Don't worry. <laughs> yes. You're getting I'll a fiver. <laughs> that's a bonus. Yeah, his rates have gone up. All right. <laughs> but uh, in, in getting to know Neil, uh, and obviously we, I came along to uh, a gig you did, which was for uh, I believe you were a guitar for. Was it Electric Rebels? No, I was I was I was multitasking that night. I was uh, the uh, the the support band was an originals band. I was in Manchester band, which was called Electric Rebels. So I was doing lead vocals for that. I wasn't playing guitar in that one. Oh uh, yes. And then later was the uh, the Black Sabbath tribute, and I was playing guitar in that one. So uh, yeah, multi multitasking. Yes, and Steve was there that night also. Indeed, he came along to join us. Yes, I did. We always used to look for excuses to actually get out and do something. So I was like, come along to this gig. And uh, it was fantastic. It was at the Star and Garter in Manchester. What a pub that is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, a lot. It's strangely smaller and bigger than you think it is at the same time. It's deceptive on the inside. But it's just so, it, it just looks so derelict everywhere around. It looks like it's in the middle of a wasteland. Mm. Uh, but very, very famous uh, venue. More for punk music, to be fair. Uh, Indian punk music in Manchester. Very famous venue. Yeah, you kind of get that vibe when you're, you're kind of going upstairs in the place to because uh, you, you led up this really thin staircase and thinking, where the hell are we going? <laughs> How can there be a gig here? Then it opens up to this really spacious uh, room upstairs, which is where the gig was. And uh, it, it was just a, an amazing night. And from there, we kind of got to know each other a bit more. And then I realized, you know, that you had produced um, music videos and, and even adverts that I was aware of and none of. And obviously we're talking about the infamous uh ricky tomlinson uh, oh, yes. commercials <laughs> i know <laughs> so i'll let you explain on this one uh this was uh intro this was going back quite a few years now this was i think 2001 because um this was in a direct response to the 9-11 attacks so this was on behalf of a uh a holiday company called going places which was part of air tours 
and obviously 9-11 everybody obviously cancelled flights and uh, everybody was afraid to fly so we had to come up with a, an advertising campaign that basically encouraged people uh, to get back going on holiday and it was all about you know great value deals and all this kind of thing it's it's uh, you know, worth taking the plunge and, and booking a holiday so creatively the challenge was how do we find a character who is notoriously you know a stick in the mud doesn't do anything doesn't go anywhere and it was the character that uh, Ricky Tomlinson had played in the royal family, which was Jim Royal. And he's always sat there in his armchair, scratching his bum, picking his nose and, you know, wearing a string vest kind of thing. So long story short, contacted Ricky through his agent. He agreed to do the, um, uh, the campaign, which involved TV, radio, uh, photography. There was billboards all over the place uh, with him on as well. And the idea was that if we could get him... Uh, his character as Jim Royal, if we could even get him going on holiday, uh, we could get anybody going on holiday. So that was the basic premise. The trouble was, uh, Ricky at the time was filming a um, TV series in Liverpool, which was called Nice Guy Eddie. I think it was a detective series. Uh, so he was working Monday to Friday uh, shooting this TV series. So the only way to do it was to shoot it in the UK. So we ended up at Pinewood Studios, on a set that cost us something like a quarter of a million quid to build with a swimming pool, a beach bar, uh, real palm trees, obviously all the cast uh, and everything uh, that went on with it. Uh, and we shot it over one weekend at uh, Pinewood, which obviously, you know, amazing to uh, just be there, let alone actually be working in the uh, in the environment. Um, we shot it with director, I think you, you, you know him, uh, Andy, Steve Barron. Steve Barron, yeah. Yeah, so he'd worked with Ricky on uh, the Mike Bassett, England manager film so I it was actually like Ricky's that suggestion that um that we that we work with Steve on the on, on the shoot so Steve had um said to Ricky we've got this one scene where basically it's so the the, the premise is Ricky's on holiday uh, in the armchair by the side of the pool and he at one point reveals he says Do you want to see me white bits so of course he you know he's got all this fake tan on and reveals his uh the the, the shoulder strap of his t-shirt then he's bending down to reveal his white sock uh, sorry his sock where he's got this this white mark on his ankle and he only went and turned around and dropped his shorts right to camera so we got to see ricky tomlinson's spotty ass oh lovely <laughs> a sight never to be forgotten <laughs> i think i think i'm still in therapy for it to be fair hold on speaking of mike bassett didn't he i've, I've actually got a memory didn't he he went naked in mike bassett as well there's a scene where the yes, press all arrive at his house and he's completely, completely starkers. Yeah, I don't think I don't. He's actually it, it's surprising. He's actually a very uh, a very shy, very quiet guy, you know, in person. Uh, but obviously, he then gets into character, and I think it's just the when the cameras are rolling, he's quite prepared to get his kit off. He could definitely give uh, Kathy Bates a run for his money. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I know which one I would rather see in the nip. Yes, and why is that, Mike Bassett? So. <laughs> of, of good note here we're mentioning it's steve barron uh do you know what steve barron also directed steve uh, uh no it's all right to say no uh he directed the first teenage mutant ninja turtles movie did he yes most successful independent film for a long long time yeah uh oh god what did it get it was it um uh blair witch project that replaced it I believe it was the Blair Witch Project. In, in getting back to your uh, kind of uh, adverts and promotional stuff, yeah. I understand that uh, you were also working with um, 
Kato himself, Bert Quark. Not now, Kato. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Again, another another sort of bizarre set of circumstances, but it's actually for the same company. So we did a lot of radio commercials uh, for them, did lots of campaigns. And we worked with all kinds of guys. It was, you know, a real privilege to, to get to meet a lot of these people and work with them, uh, you know, in recording studios. Like the cast of The Fast Show, uh, we had the impressionist John Coleshaw, who was just... The session should have lasted an hour. I think we were there for three hours listening to his Tom Baker impressions. And we just... Everybody in the studio... Was, we were just dying laughing. The guy was just non-stop. So one of the campaigns uh, called for, uh, like, an ancient Chinese mystic. It sat at the top of a mountain. So we thought, we need an ancient Chinese mystic. Where are we going to find one? And uh, the creative guys at the time said, what about Bert Kwok? And you'll never get Bert Kwok to do this. Sure enough, Bert Kwok says, yes, absolutely fine. Turns up at the studio and uh, Bert Kwok walks in immaculately dressed. Pinstripe suit, shirt and tie. I'm thinking, does he know he's on radio? But honestly, absolutely. And a, a real gentleman as well. So it, so there's there's two characters in this script. So the idea is you've got this uh, sort of backpacking hitchhiker guy climbing a mountain looking for you know the font of all wisdom in terms of how to book a holiday. And sat at the top is this ancient Chinese mystic passing on his wisdom. So hand, um, uh, Bert Kwok walks in and goes, Good afternoon, Mr. Kwok. Very nice to see you. I'm very pleased to be working with you. Here's the script. Looks at the script and he goes, So, I suppose you'd like me to play the Chinaman. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please, Mr. Kwok, if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> Absolute well, it was a 50-50 stab, really. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, that is amazing. Okay, I briefly want to um, go over uh, your music here. And yep. Thankfully, you've uh, recorded uh, the opening theme for our show and a couple of themes that you're going to hear a bit later on. Uh, an incredibly uh, talented musician. I understand that you kind of taught yourself uh, guitar, yep. if I'm right. Never had a uh, lesson. Uh, most people had- say you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> can't can't read a note in music it's just a load of uh, spidery black dots on a page to me i haven't got a clue uh, and you've been involved with uh, quite a few number of bands and obviously the the kind of uh, big one uh, that you've been doing is uh, i guess you say the official uh, black sabbath uh, tribute band uh, sabra cadabra you know you you play all over uh, england uh, as well as the odd canal <laughs> a very odd canal indeed, yeah. <laughs> very odd canal. Yeah. And it's, it's the most brilliant story of, uh, he said, oh, we're going to actually play a gig for two members of Black Sabbath. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was the opening of a bridge or, or something. Of a like bridge? This is, this is pure spinal tap. I absolutely kid you not. So this came about, I, I, I've known Black Sabbath's original manager for a few years. I interviewed him for, uh, for one of my books. Very nice guy. He was sat by Black Sabbath back in 1970. There's a there's an entire episode of a story that, that I could tell you all about that. But moving on, so I've known Jim Jim Simpson. He's called known him for quite a few years, and he knew uh, that that we played in this this Black Sabbath tribute band. So, literally, just got a phone call out of the blue. He said, "Neil, are you sat down?" I said, "Well, I can be, Jim. Why? What's up?" He goes, um, "Black Sabbath. Uh, I've already had a bench commissioned." To commemorate their 50 years of because uh, they're all from Birmingham so they're you know commemorating uh, their contribution to Birmingham's music scene so, okay. yeah they've got this bench great well it's been housed in a museum and they're now going to relocate it and put it on a bridge 
and the bridge is going to be renamed the Black Sabbath Bridge. I'm thinking, okay, where's this going? So he said, so we're having an opening, an official opening ceremony for the for the bridge and the bench being located there, and I need a band to to play some Black Sabbath songs for the crowd that will be there. You know, before, during, and after. Uh, the couple of members of Black Sabbath are, are going to do the opening. Went, Fantastic, sounds great. He said, it's on an island in a canal. Pardon? <laughs> it's on an island in a canal. You're going to be playing on the island. The, 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 two, the two guys from Black Sabbath will sail towards you on a barge. They'll stop at the island. They'll make an, a couple of announcements to the crowd. They will then get back on the boat and the barge and then sail up the canal to where the bridge is and then open the bridge. I went, what the hell? An island and a canal? Who has an island and a canal? <laughs> So it turns out it's actually a roundabout, bizarrely. This island is actually a junction where two canals meet, and it's used as a roundabout by barges. And sure enough, we played on, we, we put all the gear on this island. Uh, we're there with our own Aussie Osborne that we kept throwing to push into the canal. Uh, <laughs> four of us just about fit on this island. And then sure enough, at uh, whatever time it was, 2 p.m. in the afternoon, uh, Tony Iommi, the guitarist, and Giza Butler, the, the, the bass player, are sailing towards us in a barge whilst we're playing their music. It was the most surreal thing I've ever experienced. Uh, I think it's for you, and I've shared it on your Facebook of you actually playing on this little roundabout in a canal. Yep. And you, you kind of just turn to look at someone as you're playing, and you give this look, <laughs> you give this perfect look that can only communicate bit different in it <laughs> <laughs> honestly it, it was it was dreamlike it really was i'm thinking this can't be happening you know please don't let that boat sink with two members of black sabbath on it just before we get there you know so yeah, absolutely bizarre day really bizarre um as well as doing the the sabra cadaver and we really look forward to seeing you guys touring again now that things are kind of getting back to a bit normal uh but in your kind of uh, downtime over the last year you composed your own album which is the new journey project yeah uh which is uh the songs that you've written and composed yourself uh did uh yeah i mean basically that was um sort of in response to i mentioned earlier that there was a band called electric rebels that i was in which was a, a manchester originals band and we did the usual thing you know we split up for musical and personal differences you know basically everybody hated the guitar player so um I just took this as an opportunity to say, I've got these songs that I composed. I want to record them, just at least you know put them down onto uh, onto a CD, and then it just developed. It was going to be I don't know three or four songs, and I just carried on writing. Managed to get an album's worth of material, and I thought I'm going to do it. Just go and record it, and I thought I'm going to do everything myself. So I'm going to write a theme tune, sing the theme tune, play all the songs myself, um, <laughs> played everything, sorted the drums out. Bass guitar, uh, lead guitar, rhythm guitars, vocals. I'd had one guest uh, singer on it, who's uh, a mate of mine who's been uh, played in bands with me for years and years and years. I asked him to, to guest on one track, uh, the last track on the album. Uh, but again, that was um, a fantastic recording experience because the engineer uh, was, was bowled over by it. And the track that you're going to play later, uh, which we'll sort of come on to in a bit, I assume, was inspired by uh, a connection to, to Motorhead. So the engineer said, well, we've got to record it like Lemmy would. I went, what do you mean? He says, I've got Lemmy's bass guitar rig. I said, what do you mean? He's real. He said, no, 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 the same amplifier and speaker that he used. So we got the right guitar, the right amplifier, plugged it all in. And then when we recorded it, 
to particular technique you record the signal dry and then you, you re-amp it back into uh, the, en the, the engineering later so it means you can tweak the sound a lot more uh, with a lot more flexibility so we had it that loud we had to vacate the building whilst we recorded <laughs> the bass guitars we stood in the car park and um, you could see the windows were shaking it was absolutely immense well speaking of the track uh we've got it for you now it's called dead man's hand so take it away other neil Definitely, you can definitely tell the influence there from Motorhead oh, without question. Yeah, it, it was it was a deliberate um, it was a deliberate. I would say almost like I wanted it to be a sequel to the Ace of Spades. And obviously, Lemmy passed away. I think it's four or five years ago now. So for me, it was my own sort of personal tribute to uh, what I class as one of the all-time classic, you know, three-minute pop songs. All right, it sounds like a heavy metal trap, but it's a three-minute pop song. Yeah, uh, Ace of Spades is you know it's one of those instantly recognisable riffs. As soon as you hear it, you know exactly what song it is. Uh, so for me, it was taking, there's a mention that Lemmy makes in the lyrics of Ace of Spades, which is, you know, the dead man's hand uh, again. And I knew a little bit about it. Uh, it while well, Bill Hickok, it. wasn't it? While well, Bill Hickok, exactly. Yeah, he yeah. was shot over a game of poker, he was shot in the back. So I just dug a little bit more into, you know, the legend. And some of it is legend. You know, a lot of people don't know the truth. Uh, and the, the, the best bit about it is we know it was a pair of aces and a pair of eights, but nobody knows what the kicker card was. And so uh, I just took that story and just turned it into lyric and um, I said, I'm going to make it sound like Motorhead. But you, <laughs> you definitely did do. I think it's an absolutely brilliant song. Thank you, mate. Thank it, you. it really it's, does it's... get you going. Okay. Um, so moving on from that, absolutely uh, amazing track. And the, the entire album's amazing as well. Uh, where, where can you actually get the album, Neil? You can get it from me. I've still got a few CD copies left. Um <laughs> There's, um, it's on Bandcamp, uh, so there's a website called Bandcamp. So if you go on bandcamp.com, I believe, uh, and do a search for New Journey Projects, you can you can stream it on there, uh, for which you get paid 0.0000001 pence, I think, per stream. Uh, or you can buy the CD, and it's only a tenner. Bargain. There you go. Perfect. Be a bit retro. Get a CD. Yeah. Funnily enough, I'm currently expecting a, uh, a CD to arrive via Amazon Delivery today. Because uh, my partner, nicely enough, bought me the Delamitri greatest hits. Because I was talking the other day about Delamitri touring in Manchester later this year, and me and Neil are going to go and see them. I'll be there, definitely. Great band, definitely. But now it's time to nominate five. Now's the time to nominate five. Nominate five. Yes, nominate five. Or three, or four. Six or nine. Now's the time to 
Now you see, we yeah. don't cheapen out on our music. No, not at all. <laughs> where, the, where the hell did you get that from? I've no idea. It wasn't Neil, what I thought it was going to be. Neil, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Neil has very, 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 very kindly provided uh, that, and uh, also another new musical cue that we'll be getting onto later. Yep. So for today's nominate five, obviously it has to be a very music centric uh, nominate five. So Neil, I've asked you to provide us nominate five best uses of music. In film. Okay, where do you want to start? Do we just start Let's with start a random number five? Let's start number five. They're they're in no particular order, so I'm That's just gonna, never are. I'm That's just going to go. I'm going to I'm going to go in alphabetical order, but in code. So I'm going to start with <laughs> I'm going to start with White Rabbit, which is Jefferson Airplane. Yeah. What was the film? Oh God, it's been used in so many. Okay, the one I'm going to go for is it's used in Platoon because it was the yes. It's the initiation, I think, of uh, Charlie Sheen into the, uh, shall we say, the, the drugs uh, uh, background that happened in the Vietnam War. That was yes, his, um, the initiation. Account. Absolutely. So I just thought that's a, it's one. It's a fantastic track, uh, and I just thought the the it was the the transition of you know Charlie from that sort of wide-eyed, innocent um, rookie soldier really into the into the world of what went on uh, in Vietnam. So uh, one of my favourite films, and I just thought it was a fantastic track. No, hey, Andy, guess choice. what? Well, I've not seen it. Oh, well, it's in the box. Oh. In the box! <laughs> it's in the box! Put it in the box! <laughs> yeah, this will make so much sense later on, we hope. Yeah, it will. We okay. should have done this earlier, really, shouldn't we? <laughs> no, it's the main event. We leave it to last. Okay, number four. Number four. Okay, this is, uh, this is a uh, slightly weird one. This is a recurring theme that happens throughout a movie. It's a piece of classical music. And this is Saraband by Handel. Uh, you'll need to Google it. And uh, honestly, it's just, I'm a sucker for music in movies, as you can probably tell a whole thing about the atmosphere. So Saraband by Handel appears in Stanley Kubrick's classic, Barry Lyndon. I was about to say Barry Lyndon. Again, one of my absolute favourite films, just everything about it. I just love it. I think it's uh, Kubrick's masterpiece. Uh, controversially, I think it's his best film. Ooh, that that is a controversial statement because it's not actually one of his most talked about, but it definitely is right up there. And guess what? Steve hasn't seen it. You're right, I haven't seen it. Put it in the box. <laughs> it's in the box. Okay. Okay. Number, yeah. number three. <laughs> number three again. I think it's just the clever usage uh, of the music. It's the introduction uh, piece to a film just as the film is starting. And it's People Are Strange by The Doors. Oh, for The Lost Boys. They're Lost Boys. Yes. I have seen that one. Take it out of the box. (laughs) That one's coming out of the box. It was in there as well. Actually, I saw it at yours one night with Kate. That's right. I forgot We sat down and watched it because you guys were going to a convention and um, Kiefer Sutherland was there. We were going to the horror convention where they had the first ever Lost Boys reunion minus Corey Feldman. (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah, let's not yeah, touch yeah, that yeah, one really. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> okay, <laughs> number two. So next up, speaking of horror, is Bad Moon Rising, American Creedence. Werewolf in London, Clearwater Revival by yeah. American uh, American Werewolf in London. Exactly. Love Credence. Uh, just again, it's just the it's the humour that goes with that one. It's mm. just perfect, uh, just for the film. So uh, and and there's there's loads more tracks in that film that are just as good as well. So, uh, but yeah. Uh, Bad Moon Rising. 
it's a flawless horror film that is really it just especially has with, especially with jenny arkinson in it oh yes okay <laughs> um, moving on okay so well let's let's get to number one what is the number one best use drum roll please okay so again this is not a song and it's not one particular piece of music this is an entire film and the film is perfume or the story of a murderer genius genius the choice music, the music in that is mind-blowing and again just it's so perfectly shot perfectly cast per, it's a it's a, a amazing amazing piece of cinema it is don't worry steve it's in the box okay good but good yeah i i, I fully agree with that it is one of the best um scores uh, and utilization of music in there um and such a an underrated film as well because that should top a lot of uh favorite lists i think again it's just one of those it's it's the uh possibly sometimes i think the title puts people off you know you think oh what's this all about but the um it's another one that went under the radar i think that was one of the few films i went to see that at the cinema remember those uh, and this was one of the few films I stayed and watched all of the credits so I could hear all the final pieces of the uh, music that went with the credits. Is it Jeffrey stayed... Rush? Um... Over to you, Carsten. Are you asking me? I don't know. Yeah, I'm asking someone. <laughs> you two have seen it. I haven't seen it. Come on. <laughs> it's not my favourite film. It's Neil's favourite film. Don't ask me the complimentary questions. Yeah, but you, like, you should know who's like in it, for God's sake. I've just it's... wrestled an Amazon package out my dog's mouth. Look, what you get up to in your spare time, that's entirely up to you. That's, that's another euphemism if ever I heard one as well. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, um, God, who's in it? I can't remember. If you're out there listening to this, just run it through IMDB. You'll find yeah. out sooner than we will. John Hurt does the voiceover. Oh, Dustin Hoffman's ah. in it. He's, he's got a brilliant part in it. He's great. Ah, R.I.P., okay. John. Well, that's an amazing nominate five. Uh, and, and really informative. There's five really good films there, three of them that Steve obviously has to see. Yep. Uh, so, Neil, uh, before we round out until uh, into our last segment here, I really want to thank you for coming along to us today. Uh, we know you're going to be a recurring guest. We're going to have you on. You're going to be heard every single week through all of the little jingles and music cues that we have. Uh, is there anything that you kind of uh, want to promote, want to get out there, want people to to look up, buy, go to? Crikey. Um Well, I mean, in the introduction, I think you said that, you know, I've written books and uh, music and all kinds of things. Uh, I'm, I've got loads of books on Amazon. So check out um, Neil Priddy, P-R-I-D-D-E-Y on Amazon, and you'll see there's lots of books on uh, re- collecting rare records. Uh, and there's also a book just about to be published, which is Deserted Manchester During Lockdown, which you will know quite a lot about because you were there. I was there. I was actually shooting a movie, uh, which hopefully we're going to start editing together soon. Yeah. Uh, as, as soon as possible. But yeah, uh, thank you so much for coming on today. Yes, thank and you, Neil. I guess we're going to round out the show by asking the question... What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? 
in the box! What's in the box? What's in the box? That might actually be my favourite thing on the entire show now every week. Oh, it's going to be great. I remember saying to Neil, this is kind of what I want. I want it to be kind of like the the Brad Pitt 7 scene where he said, what's in the box? <laughs> Never in a million years did I think that was coming back. <laughs> At least I didn't do the explosive one. Yeah, um, it's, yeah it's, like if, uh, it's like if Brad Pitt went through the, the Sex Pistols, really, isn't it? I love it. Yeah. Okay, so I have the box here. The box. Now, now the rule is... We'll pull out a film that is certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, Tomatoes, whatever you call it. Let's call the whole thing off. And if Steve hasn't seen it, he has to watch it the night before our next podcast and yes. give a review like he did with Rout Schmidt today. Now, also in the ruling here, if Steve has seen it, we toss that one aside and dig out another. It's that simple. It doesn't really need explaining. No, it's it's incredibly simple. And uh, after last week's surprise enjoyment of about Schmidt, I'm quite looking forward to seeing what's going to be uh, what's going to be presented to me this week. So, Andy, stick your hand in the box, have a good rummage round, and see what you can pull out for me. That's what she said. Let's have a look. That's what your mother said. <laughs> I wondered when that one was coming in. Um, I that... think you've actually seen this one because I recommended it to you not so long ago. Um, you saw Michael Clayton, didn't you? I did see Michael Clayton, yeah. Okay, so that one could be tossed out. Okay, so, so, that... <laughs> so that's <laughs> so did you. I've recommended that film to both of you, and you went and watched it. That's how good it is. Well, I okay. did because we were supposed to be interviewing um, interviewing Bill, and then uh, then of course all that interview ended up getting eaten up when the the storage medium that I had everything for the original version of the podcast on just went up in smoke. Yeah. So yeah, it happens. Okay. Number two, well, the second choice of the day, uh, Dog Day Afternoon. Dog Day Afternoon, that is Al Pacino, isn't it? Al Pacino. Yes. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it, no. Oh, well, there we go. Now you've got to see Dog Day Afternoon Yes. by this time next week. That should be easily done. Yes, and uh... we invite everyone who hasn't seen it, or even if you have seen it, go and watch it, you know, and join us uh, next week. You know, you can... uh, Engage in some conversation with us through the social media channels. Yes, uh, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter. Um, I'm going to be setting up the the Reddit account soon, so you can join us there in like a forum, and forum discussions of the latest movies and what have you over there. Thank you very, very much for joining us today. Uh, thank you very, very much to Neil for being an absolutely amazing guest with some great stories. Really has been an absolute joy having you on today. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. And looking forward to hearing the finished result. And I guess what? I'm going to watch Dog Day Afternoon too. Why not? Why so, not, indeed? So everyone out there, watch Dog Day Afternoon. Go on to uh, Amazon. Check out Neil's books. Uh, go on to SoundCloud. It's on Bandcamp. Uh, Bandcamp, sorry. It's all right. It's uh, 10 of your finest English pounds. There we go. That's nothing. Bargain. You'll have got loads of it saved up after the lockdown. So you've got yeah. no excuse. So it's a big thank you from me. And it's an even bigger thank you from me. We will see you next week. And don't forget, if you fancy supporting us on Patreon, you can find us over there, patreon.com forward slash poddywood. You can also find us now on Spotify, Amazon Music, basically all the big podcast stations. Thank you, and we will see you next time.
Ciao, Bella. <laughs>